Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Richard Harris. Hey everybody, this is Richard Harris, and I am so excited about today's Truth and Liberty uh, live cast, our episode today, because what you're about to see is actually uh, a message that I was able to deliver at this year's Summer Family Bible Conference. So just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Andrew Womack gave me the honor of speaking at the Summer Family Bible Conference at Karis Bible College, and the Lord put it on my heart to talk about a subject um, called the revival of manhood. Um, and so uh, the Lord gave me some uh, powerful uh, points, I believe, and a message that I think our culture desperately needs. You know, um, Satan has been attacking our nation and our culture for decades. And one of his key strategies has been to undermine uh, the calling of men to be men. And uh, today things have gotten so bad uh, that men don't know what they're supposed to be or what they're supposed to do. Uh, is there anything special about being a man? Is there really a difference between men and women? Can you be anything that you feel like being at any time? Or is manhood actually a calling from God? Is it part of our God-given identity? And if it is, what comes along with that? I'm gonna talk about this in this message. And I just wanna encourage you, whether you're a man or a woman, and there are only men and women, there's nobody in between, <laughs> but regardless of which uh, persuasion you are, lean into this message with me, would you? Listen to what God might say to you on this vital subject, because Satan has been attacking and stealing our identity. And in doing that, he's also been undermining our calling and our effectiveness. And this message was delivered on the 4th of July, the 247th Independence Day of the United States. And I look back at the example of America's founding fathers, and we can see from history that these men, specifically the 56 heroes who signed the Declaration of Independence, they laid it all on the line. They laid it all on the line for the sake of something bigger than themselves, for the sake of truth, and for the sake of freedom for their nation and their communities and their families. And I think that God is calling us today, men, to do exactly the same thing. So I trust that this message is gonna be a blessing to you and it's gonna uh, encourage you, instruct you, and hopefully light the path forward for you as you seek to be effective for Christ in this hour, in this generation. God bless you. All right, this morning we got the blessing of having Richard Harris come minister to us. And so Richard, come on up here. And Richard is a lawyer. He actually had a successful law practice going and God spoke to him and told him and his wife Donna to come to school. And it looked like he was giving up all of his lawyer stuff. But when he got here, he was busier than ever. We found out. <laughs> who he was, we put him to work. And boy, during the time that we were suing the government and they were threatening to arrest us, Richard was working 24 hours a day. I mean, making calls at one o'clock in the morning. And 
We had a war room up here in the corner. Yeah. And uh, Richard just has been a blessing. And then as we started Truth and Liberty, he is now the director mm. of Truth and Liberty. And I think he's found his sweet spot. Mm. This guy is passionate about this nation and mm -hmm. he is just uh, a blessing to me and to so Thank many you, people. Andrew. So I love you, brother. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you. I believe I you'll give too. him heaven today. Amen, amen. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And uh, what a day today. 247 years, the 247th birthday of the greatest nation in the history of the world. Happy Independence Day, everybody. It is a day to celebrate. On this day, 247 years ago, 56 men gathered in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and took a giant leap of courage and faith that changed the world. They signed their names to a document that we now call the Declaration of Independence, and it is possibly the greatest piece of political writing ever penned by men. To understand what they were really doing, though, we have to go back and we have to remember the context, the historical context of the day. As they recorded in that document, they had endured, we had endured as a nation, a long train of abuses from the British king and the British government. You have to also remember that it was, they had been under a state of revival in America for about 30 years. As they had been hearing the word of God preached from pulpits all over the land and applied to every aspect of life. And they came to believe that God had a better plan than what they were experiencing, a better plan than living under tyranny. They didn't reach their decision lightly. For years they had, quote, remonstrated is the word they used with the British king, sent petitions, engaged in civil disobedience. And now at this point in time, July 4th, 1776, America had been invaded. The British army was on American soil and they'd been fighting a defensive war for nearly a year. And the time had come. The time had come for them to decide as leaders of America, as representatives of the colonies, do you really believe in those things you're preaching? Do you really believe in liberty, God-given rights, and equality for all? But they knew, they knew, guys, when they put their names on that piece of paper that they were committing treason in the eyes of the king. They knew that it would mean for them, every single one of them individually, death and the loss of everything they owned and the loss of their family's future. Benjamin Franklin, many of you probably have heard this quote, but he quipped during the meeting when they were signing the declaration he, or when they were voting on it, he said, we must all hang together or assuredly we will all hang separately. And I found a quote the other day from another founding father. I'd like to put this up now. It's kind of long, so bear with me here. But this is in a letter by founding father Benjamin Rush being written to John Adams. And he said here, do you recollect the pensive and awful silence which pervaded the house when we were called up one after another to the table of the president of Congress to subscribe what was believed by many at that time to be our own death warrants. 
The silence and the gloom of the morning were interrupted, I well recollect, only for a moment by Colonel Harrison of Virginia who said to Mr. Jerry at the table, I shall have a great advantage over you, Mr. Jerry, when we are all hung for what we are now doing. From the size and weight of my body, I shall die in a few minutes. But from the lightness of your body, you will dance in the air an hour or two before you are dead. <laughs> Benjamin Rush said, the speech procured a transient smile, but it was soon succeeded by the solemnity with which the whole business was conducted. What makes their action in signing the declaration so incredible is that they had no reason to hope for success. There was no reason for expectation of victory in the natural. The British Army was the largest army and the most powerful army in the world. The British Navy the same. In contrast, America had virtually no Navy. We had no standing army. We had no money, no allies, no trained officer corps, and very few supplies, ammunition, and arms. But these men, these heroes placed their faith in God and did what their conscience and their conviction told them had to be done. I was praying about today's message, asking God, what do you want me to talk about, Lord? And I heard the Lord say to me, manhood. For a minute I paused and I was like, Lord, that's a little weird. This is um, the 4th of July. But then I saw the connection. These 56 men who signed this document are examples to us today. This great nation would never have been born if these men did not stand up in their time of crisis, in their generation, to lead, to fight, and to work with integrity and faith. And you know, they didn't just sign a piece of paper and it was over. They followed through on their convictions and on their actions and on their words and they led and they fought and they worked tirelessly for seven years until their vision became reality. But in the process, they paid a heavy price. Let's not be deceived. Only, tw uh, only 20, excuse me, 24% of the American public was even in favor of the declaration at the time they signed it. They lost far more battles than they won 24,000 Americans died in the Revolutionary War, by estimation, most of those from disease and starvation aboard British uh, prisoner of war ships and camps. The entire nation at the time was only 2.7 million people, so in today's numbers, that would be like 300,000 Americans dying in a war, a figure we have not seen since the Civil War. Nine of the 56 signers fought and died from wounds or hardships in the war. Twelve had their homes uh, looted and burned. Two lost their sons in the army. Two had uh, their sons captured and made prisoners. And I want to tell you about a particular founding father here quickly. His name might sound familiar to you. It's Thomas Nelson, Jr., an ancestor of the Thomas Nelson Bible Publishing Company. Thomas Nelson Jr. owned a home in Virginia near Yorktown, the famous final battle of the Revolutionary War. And he came upon the artillery uh, battery of the Continental Army and he noticed that they were not firing towards the house where General Cornwallis of the British had set up his headquarters. And he said to the artillery officer, why aren't you firing on Cornwallis? And they said to him, sir, it's because it's your house. 
He walked up to the gun, to the cannon, and turned it himself towards his house and told them, begin firing. And they destroyed his home. I want to suggest to you that these men that founded this great nation were able to do what they did because they were walking in the calling of God to true manhood. God is calling us as a nation today to lead the world in restoring true manhood. The manhood I'm referring to, guys, though, understand, it's not an age. It's not like you reach the age of 18 and suddenly you're walking in manhood. It's also not outward appearance, it's not muscles, it's not size, it's not good looks, it's not sexual prowess or whatever the world tells us today is real manhood. The manhood I'm talking about today is a matter of the heart, conviction, and a mindset and character. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. God tells Samuel, he says, don't look on the outward appearance. Man looks on the outward appearance, but I look on the heart. And I want you to look at a Bible verse with me today. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. I'm going to wait for them to pull it up on the screen here. This verse says, watch ye. You do have that verse, guys? Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, Quit ye like men, be strong. In verse 14, uh, the next one, verse 14. Let all things be done with charity. You can't separate those two. Here we see in Old English, the Bible says, quit ye like men. Now the word quit in the Old English there doesn't mean quit like we use it today, like stop doing something. It actually means act. So look at that again. Act like men. Got to let that sink in for a second. That's like politically incorrect to say such a thing, isn't it? But the God Almighty in the Holy Scripture just told you, stand up and act like a man. What does it mean to be manly? I believe God wants to remind us today of three aspects of manhood, three things that real men do, okay? And it has nothing to do with eating quiche. Does everybody remember that? Three things that real men do, but before we get there, we have to rebuild just a little bit of foundation today because of this incredibly crazy culture we're living in. Genesis chapter 1, 27 to 28, God says that he, or the Bible says, God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female. Confetti. Uh, <laughs> male and female created he them. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. And then we see in Genesis chapter 2, God uh, says, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helpmate for him. And he causes Adam to go into a deep sleep. And he says then in verse 21, chapter 2, he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh instead, instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Now, all of you have heard these verses before. You get taught this in Sunday school, right? But this culture doesn't know this. And we need to remind ourselves that God made man and God made woman, and the two are not the same. They are distinct, and they have differences. Today, people say, oh, you can just go have a surgery, and you can take some drugs 
manufactured in a laboratory, and poof, all of a sudden, you're not a man, you're a woman. You're not a woman, you're a man. They want us to believe that it's that easy, but it's, it, it's nonsense. That doesn't make you a man or a woman, doesn't make you a male or a female. Manhood or uh, sex is genetic, you understand that? It's in the chromosomes, it's in the genes. In every single cell of every human being, their sex is programmed. And it's not just because uh, a woman has certain outward parts and a man has certain outward parts. Researchers have documented that there are over 6,000 variations in biology and the biological function of a man versus a woman and a woman versus a man. This is not something that can be changed. You see, Satan is robbing our nation and this generation of its calling. He's robbing the men of this generation of the calling to manhood. There's so much confusion today that people literally do not know what sex they are or what it means. And it all started, guys, I'm gonna tell you, it all started when people began to mock and to ridicule the traditional roles of men and women, claiming that there was no difference between the sexes. For decades now, our culture has been shaming women for being feminine and shaming men for being masculine. I remember Hillary Clinton in the 1990s sitting on the set of Good Morning America making fun of women who choose to stay home and raise their children. Men are criticized for not being more like women. You need to be more sensitive. You need to talk more. You need to be in touch with your feelings. I don't have time. But it's progressed now to the point where we're told your gender isn't even a real thing. It's not fixed at birth. No, it's something you can choose. Whatever you feel determines your gender. It's not enough for these people that they have the freedom in this great nation to call themselves whatever sex they want to call themselves. Now they're trying to force all of us to agree with them. Today, sane people, sane, as in I have my wits about me, sane people are called oppressors, and twisted and confused people are called heroes. Bruce Jenner, when he had his thing done and came out as Caitlyn Jenner, was praised for his courage. Joe Biden recently gave the International Woman of Courage Award to a biological male. They're allowing, the NCAA is allowing biological men to compete in women's sports with no regard for how unfair that is for true women. A mentally, recently a mentally and emotionally broken woman who claims to be a man went into a school, a Christian school, and killed six innocent people, including children. After that, the White House said that the trans in this nation are under attack and declared a national day of visibility for transgender. This whole thing, guys, is an attack of the devil. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And the Lord's words spoken to the Pharisees, I think, are applicable today to this entire LGBT ideology 
and everybody that's advocating it. He said, you are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When, you, when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. The whole, the whole construct is a big lie designed by Satan to rob us of our destiny, to rob men of their destiny and women of their destiny and of their purpose and of their calling. The truth is that when God does something, when God does something, he does it with purpose. There is a reason behind it. And when he made man, man, and woman, woman, there was purpose there and reason for it. God is calling us, as I said, to restore biblical manhood in this generation. And there are three things I want to cover on this. Three main points about what a man does, what a man is called to do. And this message, I'm talking to you guys, first of all. I'm talking to you men. And my hope and prayer is that something would arise within you and that you would stand up in this day and in this generation to fulfill that calling. But you know what else? I'm also talking to you ladies out there today because you need to understand what's going on inside that heart of, the, of that man of yours. You need to understand how he's made, how he's programmed, what he's functioned to do and not try to pull him down from that calling but support him and elevate him into that calling. The, thank you. The, the first thing that God designed man to do is to lead. Andrew spoke about this last night, so incredibly powerful. Um, many of the scriptures are the same as what I was going to share with you today, but I just want to say this, like Andrew said, that leadership is really influence. That's what it is. God has designed every single man to influence others. Jesus told us in Matthew 28, his final words before his ascension, he gave us what's called the Great Commission, right? Therefore, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is verse 19. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. So this Great Commission to all of us today is a commandment to influence others a commandment to influence others. True manhood and true leadership means doing what is right and speaking up for the truth even when it costs you. Anyone who calls himself a man and isn't willing to speak the truth out of fear of personal consequences is not walking in manhood. Matthew chapter 5, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden underfoot of men. You know, salt, when it's poured into a womb, it stings, doesn't it? So when you're standing up, guys, and you're being salt in this culture, you shouldn't be surprised that people don't want to hear what you have to say. And he goes on to say in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick that it might give light to the whole house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory, give glory to your Father which is in heaven. And so the same thing with light. If you go into a dark room where someone's sleeping and you flip on that light switch, how are they going to react, right? Ah, like that, right? People that are in darkness don't want the light turned on. But that's too bad. 
That's too bad. Because we have the light inside of us and God is calling us to shine that light. So when we think about today, the Declaration of Independence, this is what these 56 men did. They took a stand. They took a stand regardless of the cost and the world has never been the same. You and I today are living in the light of what they did. And in America today, we have a desperate need for leadership. We need men of integrity who will stand for truth no matter whether it's popular or profitable. You know, the Lord gave us this example already, didn't he? Jesus stood up and spoke to the leaders of his day and called them hypocrites, whitewashed sepulchers, Matthew 23, 27. The Bible tells us that true biblical leaders, this is in Exodus chapter 18, verse 21, true leaders are men who hate covetousness and love truth. We have a big problem in America today with covetousness. When you look at the, the corruption that is in this nation today, the reason we can't hear truth, the reason there's so much lying and deception and wickedness is because America is in love with money. I'm gonna have to leave that one with you. You gotta think about that one. Every single one of us men have areas of influence. Who are the people in your life that you can influence? Are you intentionally influencing them toward God? And please don't think, oh, I'm not a leader. Leaders aren't born, you know. Leaders are made. Leaders are made by men who choose, men who choose to be like Christ, to follow Christ, to obey God in everything, and who, who lay aside their desire for acclaim, their desire for popularity, and stand for the truth. George Washington is one of the greatest leaders ever. He used to be called and popularly known as the father of our country. But George Washington wasn't born a leader. The truth is that he committed himself to Christ and then disciplined himself mentally and physically to live a virtuous life. He started off as an apprentice in surveying. He became a vestryman at his church. He served in the British Army before the Revolution. Then he spent 15 years in the Virginia legislature. He earned his position because of his commitment to, uh, to godly character, because of his humility, his honor, his courage, his truthfulness. This is what gained him the respect of his peers. So this calling to manhood, it begins first at home. It begins first at home. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And today in America, did you know we have a fatherhood crisis? It's really not a fatherhood crisis, it's a manhood crisis. The lack of fathers in the home is because we don't understand what real manhood is. But I want to share a few statistics with you if I can. There are 18.3 million kids in America today that live in fatherless homes. That's one out of every four children. According to a study done by the America First Foundation, or excuse me, Policy Institute, children who live in fatherless homes are nine times more likely to drop out of school, two times, twice as likely, to suffer from mental health issues, five times more likely to have mood disorders, 
63% of youth suicides are committed by kids whose dad is not living in the home. Now get this one, you guys. Listen now. Children without fathers in the home are 20 times more likely to be, end up in jail. 20 times incarceration rate. 279% more likely to carry guns and to deal drugs. And here's, the, now listen to this one. 82% of school shootings are committed, uh, done by you, young people, are done by those who do not have a father in the home. 82%. So the world, the left, they're telling us today, oh, it's because of racism. Oh, it's because of, uh, you know, economic disparities. They say, oh, we need affirmative action. Oh, we need welfare. Oh, we need free college because they don't have a good education. Oh, we need gun control. It's the guns. I want to say to them today, no, no, it's not that. We need a revival of manhood in our nation, including... including a restoration of the values of sexual morality, sacrifice, and duty. Now guys, it's not just family. What are you doing today to influence your communities? I think too many guys today, too many men in this country think, oh, if I just go to work and I do a good job at work and then I come home, then I've done my job. I'm providing for my family, aren't I? And that's good, that's better than the alternative. But what about your community? What about your church? What about your community? Are you quiet, guys, when people around you are embracing and supporting lies? Have you examined your life and asked yourself, how can I influence others? How can I be an influence for truth in my circles, among my friends, in my church, at my workplace, in the, the organizations, in my community. You see, guys, God is calling men to lead, and there's no exceptions. Every single one of us is called for this. Well, the second thing is that God is calling men to fight. Biblical manhood is a calling to fight. There's no way out of that. Men are designed by God for battle. We are designed by God to protect the weak and the vulnerable and to defend our families and our nation. Most of the great figures in the Old Testament were either warriors or they led armies in battle. Starting with Abraham who went and destroyed the five kings to get back Lot. What about Moses who led the Israelites against the Amalekites? How about Joshua who led Israel into the promised land and all of the judges? And then you have David, the man after God's own heart and his band of mighty men. And if you're thinking about a warrior, you're thinking about men being made and called to fight, you can't help but think about David and Goliath. David who was tending his father's sheep was sent by his dad to take bread and figs and stuff to his brothers and he gets there and he sees that the army of Israel is cowering before this pagan giant. And what does David do? David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? His brothers begin to mock him and ridicule him and insult him and accuse him. 
But then he says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 29, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Brothers, sisters, these words ought to be ringing in our ears today. Every man in America, every Christian man in America should be asking himself, for America's sake, is there not a cause today? How can I possibly stand back and do nothing? How can I just watch that TV set day after day and night after night and never take action? David refused the king's armor, found five smooth stones, and killed that giant. He was young. He was small by comparison. But he didn't let that stop him. He rose up. He put his trust in God, and he stepped into the fray. Who are these ungodly people trying to destroy this nation that I love? Who are these people and how dare they try to silence the church of Jesus Christ? I remember when the COVID stuff happened and the governor of this state issued an order, as did governors all throughout the United States, declaring that churches were not essential. I remember when I read those words, I literally got mad inside. I thought, how dare he? Who does he think he is? What right does he think he has to declare something like that over the people of God? This nation was built on God, built on his word. How can you possibly say the church is not essential? He obviously doesn't know anything about this country. That's how I felt at the time. I still do, if you can't tell. Biblical manhood, though, is a calling, guys. It's a calling to lay your life down, to defend that which is good, to protect those who can't defend themselves. Where do you find courage for the battle? Where do you find it? You find it in a heart of love. Jesus said in John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Remember going back to 1 Corinthians 16 when it says, act like men. The next verse says, do all things with charity. The American Revolution, what is it that enabled these men to persevere? This ragtag band, if you will, of farmers and merchants and ministers to keep fighting even though they were losing far more battles than they won. What enabled them to persevere through Valley Forge? one of the harshest conditions that any army in the world has ever endured. It was the warrior in them. It was the manhood calling in them. And it was the love of God in them. The love for the cause, the love for their families, the love for their neighbors and for their nation. You know, Americans are basically a peaceful people. We don't like war. We don't crave war. But I want to say this that in history you can find no record of bravery, resilience, and tenacity greater than that made by the American Armed Forces. Amen. When you look past, amen. <clears throat> the feats of American Marines, soldiers, and Navy in battles like Guadalcanal, Battle of the Bulge, Okinawa, Normandy, Leyte Gulf, and on and on, are unmatched in history. The bravery and tenacity is absolutely incredible. And what I'm saying to you guys today is that America needs that warrior spirit again. Except this time, 
This time, guys, the battle is not on some foreign shore. The battle is right here at home. In every home, and yours is not exempt, in every school, in every business, in every government office, this battle is raging. You think the battle's not there in your house? You think you're immune? You think you're insulated? Have you looked on your kids' phones lately? I promise you the enemy is coming after your family. We need men today who will answer the call and will rise up like David and fight and defend this nation. No less now than in past wars for our families and for our way of life. Satan is marching drag queens down the streets. Men naked chanting, we are coming for your children. How much worse does it need to get, guys? The state of California passed a law saying that parents must give their kids mutilating, permanent, life-altering transgender surgery if they want it, or else the state will come and take away the children. Women are being forced to view men in their locker rooms. Teachers now are hiding abortions and transgender therapy from parents. Criminals today are allowed to go free while those who defend themselves exercising their God-given right of self-defense are prosecuted. We have the open embrace of Marxism by our teachers and by many in America today. The Colorado Teachers Union recently passed a resolution condemning capitalism as a source of evil in this nation. So there is, let me pause for a second and say this, guys. There is so much good happening too, right? Like Andrew said, I mean, the live cast we did on Truth and Liberty yesterday, Alex was with me. You know, we started talking about some of the amazing things that are happening in America today. And the, last week, we had a slate of opinions come out of the United States Supreme Court that were absolutely awesome. We're talking about reestablishing the Constitution as it was intended, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, separation of powers, all being reinstituted. I said, Alex, it feels like God is riding the ship. And he is. But here's a moment, I need to say this to you guys. So I was reading recently about General Stonewall Jackson in the Civil War, considered by many to be the greatest general in American history. And I was reading a letter that he wrote where he was explaining his philosophy of battle. Stonewall Jackson said there, what you do is you find the weakest spot in the enemy's lines and you pursue that spot. And once you break that line, you do not stop until you have routed the enemy, until they are in utter defeat and utter retreat and you've captured and killed as many as possible. I think that, now hear me now, this is a word for today, guys, because what's happening is we're beginning to see the tide shift a little bit and the word of God, I believe, to, brother, to Christians everywhere is do not relent. Do not give up or do not stop, but pursue the enemy. Let's run them right off the battlefield. Let's destroy this Marxism. Let's destroy this LGBT ideology. Let's destroy this un-American stuff. Let's push them off the brink. I'm telling you today, guys, I'm telling you, if we don't obtain utter, total victory in this opportunity that God is giving us, this disease that is plaguing our nation will rise up again. 
It will, because the seeds will be here. We've got to pluck it up, root and all, and reestablish America on the founding principles that it was built on. So what we need today is we need men to answer the call and say, no matter the cost, I will not, I will not stand by and watch it happen. I mean, the, the destruction of this nation. I am going to answer the call and I am going to enter the battle and I'm gonna fight for my country, for my family. The third thing today about manhood, the calling of manhood, is that God has placed on every single man the calling to work. Amen. I didn't expect any amens on that one. <laughs> Our original blessing from God in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, is that we would be fruitful and multiply. We are designed by him to work. God instructs us many times in Scripture to work and to work hard. Exodus 34, 21, six days shalt thou work, but on the seventh day thou shalt rest. Proverbs 12, 24, the hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. I want you to think about that verse for a second. We're frustrated today in this country because we got Joe Biden in the White House. We're frustrated because we have these judges who won't follow the Constitution, and we have all this corruption going on on our land. And I want to say to you, the Bible says right there that the hand of the righteous will bear rule, or the hand of the diligent will bear rule. Perhaps it's because we have not been working in the culture like we're called to work. And we have opened the field and left the door open for the wicked and the ungodly to work. And I promise you this, they have been working. They've been working night and day, and they are still working. I read an article the other day where uh, a great study was done on political activity. And the, the conclusions, from, it's a massive amount of data. Atheists in America, atheists, are the hardest working group politically. They, do, they engage in twice as many political-related activities on a monthly basis as evangelical white Christians. They also give twice as much money to political candidates. And so we wonder, how is it that George Soros and Bezos and all these people are running circles around us? You know, there's enough wealth in the body of Christ today. There's enough wealth to put those people to shame. I digress. Americans have, have historically had the most, the, how, how should I say this, the greatest work ethic in the Western world. It comes out of our love for our, our understanding of freedom and individual responsibility. That it's up to me to make my life better. It's up to me to make my community better. It's up to me to make my nation better. Americans tamed a vast wilderness and built the most prosperous and innovative nation in the history of the world. There is no comparison between the United States of America and any other country or empire that has been or ever will be. Our history is filled with names of, of pioneers and explorers from Lewis, the Clark, Lewis and Clark at the very beginning all the way to Neil Armstrong who landed on the moon. The American work ethic along with freedom and the rule of law and a can-do attitude is why Americans have led the world in inventions. We've invented the light bulb, the telephone, the telegraph, the airplane, the cell phone, 
the assembly line, the personal computer, the semiconductor, lasers, per, uh, uh, copy machines, MRIs, and the global positioning system, just to name a, a sliver. And if we're going to take this nation back, guys, we have to rediscover this work ethic. I got one? Listen. Following Jesus is not a nine-to-five job. Okay? Somebody get in the Bible and show me where it says you go to work at nine and you quit at five. Any takers? The truth is that if we're going to take America back, it's going to take a lot of hard work. And it's not just on your job where you get paid. We need men to get out of their comfort zones and recliners and volunteer for political campaigns, knock doors, make phone calls, attend meetings, go to school board meetings, go to town hall meetings, lead youth groups, start constitution clubs in your church, launch CITs in your church. The salt has to get out of the salt shaker. And if you want to know about opportunities where you can get involved and you can make a difference, I want to encourage you to go to the Truth and Liberty website under our resources page where we literally have hundreds of links talking about things you can do, how you can get informed, and things like that. Also, you can go to our booth out in the hallway and you can sign up to be a volunteer for Truth and Liberty. We're going to be distributing voter guides in Colorado this fall uh, to support, um, uh, well, to educate the public uh, about school board candidates, and we need people, if you live in Colorado, we need people to help us distribute those guides. So there's just one way for you to get your foot in the door, and there are many others. So the founding fathers, let's go back to them for a second. They faced a crisis, didn't they? And they responded by doing all that needed to be done, and they persisted in doing it until they had achieved the victory. Today in America, we face have been facing and are still in the middle of a crisis that is threatening the very existence of our country. Men, how are you working to save America? That's my question for you. Are you working to save America? If it was just you and me sitting down together, how would you answer that question? What are you doing? We can no longer sit back and expect the job to be done by others, can we? The crisis has arrived and it's at our doorsteps. Have you guys ever seen the Mel Gibson movie, The Patriot? Hollywoodized deluxe, but it's still a really good movie. There's one scene where Mel, Mel Gibson, you know at first he's a pacifist, right? Because of the traumas of war that he's already seen. There's a scene where he, he's with his family in his house and he comes out on the, on the front porch and they're looking, and the cannons, and the war is right there in his front yard. That's where we are today. The cannons are right there. The war is right here. It's on our doorsteps. It's in our homes. I'm continually reminded of the story of Nehemiah. And I've shared this before when I've had the opportunity to speak here, but I, I can't get away from it. Nehemiah was moved by the condition of his country. He was serving in the court of the Persian king. And when he heard people come to the court and report on what the condition of Jerusalem was like, how the wall was broken down, it broke his heart. He sought permission from the king to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. And by God's hand, he was given that permission. But when he got there, it wasn't easy. It wasn't smooth sailing. It wasn't like everything had already been done for him. There was great opposition and many enemies in the land. 
But Nehemiah led his people, and he uh, instilled in them a willingness to fight and a willingness to work. And every man, along with his family, listen to, these, listen to this now, every man took his place on the wall. Every man took his place on the wall with a sword on his hip and a trowel in his hand. Refusing, the Bible says that they refused to even go home at night. They slept inside the, the rubble of the walls at night. And they would not even change their clothes except for ceremonial Jewish washing. Nehemiah in chapter 4 verse 13 and 14 said, Therefore I set in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places I even set the people after their families, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people. So I want to switch that up a little bit. I want to pretend that Nehemiah is in our generation. And Nehemiah says, I looked and I rose up and I said unto the congressmen and to the governors and to all Americans, be not ye afraid of them. Be not afraid of these news media. Be not afraid of liberals. Be not afraid of the ungodly. Be not afraid of those who hate Jesus Christ and the word of God. Remember the Lord who is great and terrible and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. God is calling us today no less than Nehemiah's generation. He's calling us men. He's calling us to lead, to fight, and to work for our brothers, for our sons, for our daughters, for our wives, and for our homes. And God has given us a window, like Andrew was saying, we have the power right now and the ability, with God's help, to turn this nation around. It's already starting, but we need to be like Stonewall Jackson, and we need to say, we've made a breach in the line, and now we will not quit, we will not give up. We are going to pursue this thing to total victory. So my question for you men today, and for you women that love your men, will you stand up? Will you lead? Will you stand up and enter the fight? Will you stand up and get to work? Will you act like a man in your generation, like our forefathers did in theirs? Amen. We got men standing up all over this room already. Go ahead, guys. I want to... I want to lead us in a prayer in a minute, men, but I want to say this first. Every single one of you, every single one of us in this nation who love God and love America need to take this thing personally. This is my country. This is my family that you're messing with. These are my kids that you're threatening, devil. 
If someone came into your house with a gun, what would you do? You're gonna go hide under the bed while he robs and kills your family? No way. I'm gonna put myself between those bullets and my family every day. Well, the devil's got a gun pointed right at every single person in your house and at every single house in this nation. Let's not kid about it anymore. And we as men have got to step into that gap. We've got to do what God has made us to do and designed us to do and destined us to do. And let it not be said of this generation that we didn't answer the call, but let's be like that generation when it says in 1 Chronicles 7, 2, that the sons of Issachar were valiant men in their generation. How many of you want to be valiant men today? How many of you want to answer the call? Let's pray together, guys, shall we? Ladies, you can stand too. Oh, we love you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Lord, we glorify you. Lord, you are the perfect man. You are the man of mans. You are the man's man, Jesus. You're the son of God, Lord. And we, we want to be like you, Lord. We set our hearts and our minds on you, Jesus. And just like, Lord, you stepped into the fray, you stepped into the battle, you didn't hide, but you ran towards the devil. You ran towards the battle, and you gave your life for us on the cross, Lord. You interceded for us that we might be free. And Jesus, right now, Lord, our country is under attack. Our family is under attack. Our, our generation is under attack like we've never seen before, Lord. And we give ourselves to you, Christ Jesus, for this cause and for this purpose today, that we might stand in the gap between the devil and our families and our home and our nation. And Lord, we ask and pray right now that you would reveal to every single man in this room what his specific place on the wall is, what he's called to do, how he's called to lead, how he's called to fight, and how he's called to work. And guys, I want you to pray this out loud with me. Dear God, I promise today to find out where you want me on the wall. And I promise before you and my family that I will lead my family. I will fight for my family. And I will work for my family in the place that you show me no matter the cost and no matter the price, Lord, I will be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.